So what I would just bring from the car when it comes to labor and delivery is just your things and your partner's things. Try to keep baby things separate and in the car because sometimes I'll see like the baby bag, the car seat, the, and it's just, you know, there's already so much going on that you just don't want to exert energy where you don't need to. Welcome to the Learning to Mom podcast, Mom Friends. My name is Layla, and I inform first-time moms on pregnancy and birth so that they can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed. I was one of the first of my friends to experience pregnancy, so I kind of had to figure out a lot of it on my own. So if that's you, then don't worry. Allow me to be your friend and give you the resource in your pregnancy that I wish I could have had in mine. Here you can get the answers to all your gazillion first-time mom questions without being judged, overwhelmed, or belittled. So if that sounds good to you, then let's get into it. Hi, Paulina. Welcome to the Learning to Mom podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hello. I'm so excited to be here as well. I feel like we just became fast friends and I agree. we were just <laughs> listeners. We were totally just geeking out about love is blind. Oh so my goodness. All the drama. At the time that we're recording this episode, the live reunion is fairly recent mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. what season are they on? Season four? Uh, season reunion? four. Yes. So that's what we were just chatting about. So <laughs> So, so we're, funny. But now so we're going to talk about labor. <laughs> yes. Let's stick to the program. <laughs> um, so before we do talk about um, laboring in a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, can you just share a little bit about yourself and what spurred you to start the Nurse Paulina Instagram account? So I, I think I was always really into like content creating. Um, And then it wasn't until the pandemic hit in 2020, where I just really needed an outlet, a creative Mm -hmm. outlet. And if I wasn't at work in the hospital, I was at home doing absolutely nothing with all this free time. And then also just, I learned pretty quickly when I became a labor and delivery nurse that there is so much lack of knowledge um, when it comes to child's birth. Because the whole prenatal period um, and pregnancy period is so focused on the baby, which is obviously, you know, that's fine. (laughs) That's very important. But then I noticed that all my patients were coming in just not even knowing the basics of, you know, what it's like to have the baby. And um, that's not their fault, you know, because I feel like information isn't readily available unless Mm -hmm. you look for it. Yeah. So I said, why not just, why not just put it on social media? People are consuming social media every day. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where uh, my Instagram now, the nurse Paulina, I guess, came, was born. (laughs) (laughs) What an awesome story. Okay, I do want to kind of just get right into it because we okay, have a lot to talk about. Let's do um, it. Speaking about educating women in labor, we have some educating that we got to do. So yeah, being a labor and delivery nurse, mm-hmm. what do you wish more women knew about labor and specifically about labor in a hospital? 
Okay. So I'm going to, I guess I'll start with just an overall generalization of labor itself. And then I guess later on, we could dive into the specifics of the hospital. But the first thing that comes to mind all the time, because I get this question all the time, is labor is individualized, basically. Um, Not everybody has the same story. Not everybody has the same journey. Um, Even the part of getting into labor is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. You could get into the labor on your own at home or when you're out and about, or you could come in and get induced to get into labor, or you might not ever experience labor at all because for whatever reason you have to get a C-section. So I think that's the first thing. I feel like labor is defined by individuals in so many different ways. It's easy to compare your journey to others and I might be going off on a tangent, but really when it comes down to it, just remember labor is individualized. Your journey will not be the same as anyone else's and that's okay. It's yeah. It's all about your mindset, right? Okay. This labor is mine. Mm. And no matter what anybody else says, I accept that my journey is going to be different and that's, that's okay. Right. So you kind of have to get in that mindset first. And then Another thing is I always like to say, or we always like to say, me and my coworkers and other labor and delivery nurses and doctors that labor can be a marathon, right? It's not a sprint, especially if it's your first time. Um, You can be laboring for 24 hours or more, sometimes 48. And if that's not what you expected for yourself, that's okay. That's normal. Because I think what happens is you know, when you don't, when you don't know what something is going to be like, I don't know about you, but I start to make things up in my head of what things are going to be like, even though I have no control of what it's going to be like. And when things don't go the way I construed it in my head, I, you immediately think something's wrong, you know, like, when things aren't going as planned, you you almost always think that something is going wrong, even though it's not. It's just because it's not what you pictured, you know? So I would say if this is your first time um, having a baby, I would just think of it as a marathon and not a sprint. And there's, there's no, there's no competition. It's just you and, and, um, and if your labor takes longer, that's fine. That's fine too. It's not going to be like you go in the hospital and then you have the baby in an hour. <laughs> yes, I wish which it I was think that way. a lot of us <clears throat> think because right? that's the way that Hollywood has portrayed. Correct. Like, be. oh, your water breaks and then the baby comes within an hour of you know, or you yeah. have the baby in the car. That's really, yeah. that's really not what happens at all. Not even close. And back to your point about it just being individualized, Mm -hmm. that's so, it's like beautiful and annoying at the same time because as someone who, you know, you, you are about to go in labor, you're Mm -hmm. just, you know, 39 weeks and you're like, oh, so-and-so just went into labor. What was your labor experience? That way I all know Mm -hmm. that I'm actually in labor. And it's just so individualized that you're just, it really, it's so frustrating almost that it's so individualized because there's no, this is exactly how it's going to go. Correct. And you can prepare, you can can take all the classes in the world, 
but your body is just going to do what it wants to do. (laughs) And your baby is half the time or more than half the time is going to make the decision for you of, of how he or she wants to come out. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because babies, you know, your baby is also a major factor in your labor. You know, can the baby tolerate labor? How's the baby doing? And, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes the baby really, we call it the baby declares itself because obviously we're not only monitoring mama, but we're also monitoring baby. And sometimes the baby will tell us, Hey, um, I'm not doing so well, get me out, you know, for lack of, you know, a better, better words. Yeah. Um, so really like, like we said before, you can plan it, you can learn everything, but it really comes down to just what your body wants to do. And then the last tip I would say is just, you absolutely have the right to like participate in the decision making of your care. Mm -hmm. It's literally in the patient bill of rights that you have the right to participate in decision making. You could say yes, you could say no. So just keep that in mind. Like always just communicate and stand up for yourself. You can always, you know, when your healthcare provider is explaining a procedure to you or a plan to you, you could always say, hey, can me and my, you know, support partner just take five minutes to ourselves to process about what's going on. Obviously, if there's an emergency, there's no time to say, hey, give us five minutes, because there are cases where you just have to go, you know, Um, and what needs to be done has to be done. But most of the time you do have, you know, you have the time to ask for, for a few minutes or however long you need to think about the decisions that you are about to make. So just keep that in mind. That's great to hear from a labor and delivery nurse, you know, like that you are not going to be upset or annoyed that you are taking care of yourself. So that's really great to hear. Now on this line of it being so individualized and you can't, you don't know what your labor is going to be like, can you still perhaps paint a picture uh, for someone that has never delivered a baby or even has never seen a non-Hollywood version of birth, what can they expect in labor? The first thing that comes to mind is just, this might sound gross, but just bodily fluids, right? <laughs> like labor, I mean, really is not cute. Um, You're going to see blood. You're going to see amniotic fluid everywhere, all sorts of different colors of discharge. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's meconium. That's when baby poops. That's the baby's first poop. And sometimes they poop for the first time, you know, while they're still inside. And then your amniotic fluid starts to turn a green, greenish color. I think it's just to keep in mind that it's not always going to be pretty. And then um, the second thing is more is more about epidurals, not to get too into it, because I know we might get into that later. This is perfect because my very next question was about epidurals. So let's just get into it now. Yeah. So I think a lot of women are under the impression that when you get an epidural, you are not going to feel anything at all. Like you're not going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to be in pain. 
but most of the time you still feel touch. Like you'll know that someone's touching your leg. It might not feel the same way, but you know that there's a hand there or as the baby's head moves down during labor, you're still going to feel pressure Mm -hmm. depending on the baby's position. Most of the time you're not going to feel completely numb. And then also I want to emphasize when the baby's crowning, they talk about that ring of fire, right? You might still feel that whether you have an epidural or not. And I think what happens is when you come in with the assumption that you're going to be absolutely pain-free or discomfort-free, like I said before, you start to think, oh, my epidural is not working. Oh, something's wrong. But I think it's because we have so much outside stimulation from others. We start to think that like things are going wrong when they're really not. So I kind of just want if, if, you know, if getting an epidural is in your birth plan, I want you, I, you know, women should keep in mind that most of the time you're not just going to be numb from the waist down. Like you could still be uncomfortable. You could still, you could still um, feel pain sometimes mm-hmm. and that's okay. Cause in reality, your ep- the epidural is a tool, you know, it's not, it's used to help you cope with labor and help you just be more comfortable but its main purpose is not to take all the pain away. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really great like misconception that you yes. just busted there. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of women rely mm-hmm. on the epidural. They come in and that's kind of their only birth plan or their, you know, right. oh, I'll be fine. I'm just going to get an epidural as soon as I'm admitted. Um, and they are then under the impression Mm -hmm. that everything is going to go super smooth and it's going to be totally fine. And maybe yes, some, some women will get an epidural and they become really numb. And then in those circumstances, sometimes it's even, they're even so numb that it's hard to push because they don't feel anything. So then when they're pushing their baby out, their pushes aren't effective because they're so numb. Mm. Um, So that's also something to keep in mind. And that actually made me think about um, another point with epidurals is that epidurals are individualized too. You could get an epidural with your first baby and then your next experience could be totally different. It, It really just, it really is just how your body kind of reacts to it. And not every epidural um, experience is the same either, honestly. Calling all boy moms who crave cute clothes for their boys, but without the cliches. Are you tired of the same old fire trucks and dinosaurs just dominating your boys' wardrobes? Or are you a first-time, soon-to-be mom and really annoyed by the boys' selection in shops? Well, I have the solution. Let me introduce you to my favorite boy store and my go-to for anything boy clothes bow and arrows. That's bow like the boy name, not the hair accessory. They're your go-to online boutique for stylish and affordable boys clothing. Finally, a shop that understands what boy moms really want. Bow and Arrows offers a range of sizes from newborns to toddlers and have clothes for mom and dad too. So you can deck out the whole family in fashionable threads. And here's the kicker. The prices are actually reasonable and affordable. As a special thank you for tuning in, use code LTM, 
one zero for an extra 10% off your first order. That's the letters LTM followed by the numbers one zero at checkout. You do not want to miss out. So head to bowandarrows.com where they believe that every boy deserves to be dressed as awesome as he is. I've heard it that you're anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. right? That's who, that's who does the epidural. Yes. The um, anesthesiologist does it. That's like so much of it, even your birth experience, if you choose mm-hmm. to have an epidural is dependent on mm-hmm. your anesthesiologist Yeah, because they could wipe you out mm-hmm. or something could happen and you could only feel it on your left yeah. side. And, and even just how your body takes it, how your body metabolizes that medication. I think what m- most, most people don't know that labor epidurals are all done by feel, by touch and feel. I can't really get into it that much because I have no idea even the process that is <laughs> what exactly they have to do, but it's all done by touching and feeling your back and getting you in that right position so that the space in your back opens up and mm-hmm. they can thread that little tiny catheter through um, to get you that medicine. So it really is just so so different for everybody and even for the same person, but at different times. So that leads me into Mm -hmm. my very next question, Paulina, (laughs) of when is a good time to get an epidural and how Mm -hmm. is it actually inserted? So perhaps start with how it's actually inserted since you did just briefly mention that. Okay. So um, like I said before, I, I can't really speak to the exact steps because that is, you know, anesthesia's that's yeah, their, but I guess from a mom, from a first time mom's perspective, mm-hmm. you're planning on getting the epidural. How do they do it, and when Correct. is it administered? Okay, so um, so let's say you know you decide to get an epidural. First thing you tell your nurse, and then typically the nurse will tell the charge nurse or some way get in, somehow get in contact with the anesthesiologist. Um. From a nursing standpoint, we help you get into the position. So typically, um, you'll find yourself sitting on the edge of the bed. I always like to say, okay, you're going to sit on the edge of the bed like you're sitting on a bench, right? And then you kind of scoot back so that if you were like looking at yourself in a sitting position, you scoot back so that your feet are like no longer touching the floor and that the backs of your knees are actually touching or if not on the bed. And then we help you get into a position. We kind of show you, okay, the anesthesiologist is probably going to ask you to curl your back. We always like to say like a cooked shrimp or an angry cat. Like you really want to get your back into a C position and stick out your lower back. So think about arching your back. You want to do the opposite, right? You kind of just want to make a nice C shape with your back. I like to tell my patients to um, hunch over their pillow, drop their shoulders away from their ears, and then put your chin down. Like you're kind of just like slouching over the pillow and kind of leaning over your belly. And then depending on your hospital, your support partner will either be allowed to stay in the room. And if that's the case, usually we'll ask them to sit in front of you. 
because everything that's going to be going on behind you with an anesthesiologist is going to be sterile, right? So we really want to keep everybody in front of you. And then also we don't really want them to see like the needles and because you'd be surprised at how many support people faint. Oh no. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Or it could even just make a comment of like, oh, that's really long. And then you're like, ah, and (laughs) yeah. And then in other hospitals, your support partners have to leave the room. So it really just depends on, on where you go to have your baby. So first they numb you. Yes. And that's what hurts. I remember that hurting. Think of when you get, if you've ever gotten your tooth pulled, you get Novocaine, you know, it numbs up your gums. The anesthesiologist numbs up your skin. And that's kind of what people say is the worst part. It's almost like a stinging sensation for whatever, 10 seconds. And then typically that sensation goes away. And then the rest of the time, you should really only be feeling weird, poking pressure types of sensations, but nothing sharp. And if you do, you just let your anesthesiologist know. And they- Yeah, that would be your time to speak up. (laughs) They should give you more- um, like numbing, numbing medication to help you kind of get through that. Yeah. And then, so then you're hooked up Mm -hmm. and this is what I don't remember because then Mm -hmm. you're, you're basically, you know, you're on the bed. So then you're just on your back, but is something still in your back or is it all through IV? That's probably a stupid question. So, um, yes. So a very small, a very small catheter, we call it a catheter. Um, it's, so small it looks kind of like it reminds me of a fishing line I think that's the best way to describe it because that's how small and thin it is okay it stays in your back you get taped up like up and down (laughs) all up and down your back um so that it stays in place but no needles there are no needles that remain in your back once the epidural is is placed so that's another thing I think that people think is this huge but long needles stays in your back and you can't move. You can't move in bed, but that's not the case. Yeah. Another great little misconception <laughs> that we're, we're busting here. Yes. Um, we're doing a lot of myth busting. <laughs> there is one more question for you, Paulina, regarding epidurals mm-hmm. before we move yes. on is when is a good time to get it? Because I've heard, you know, if you mm-hmm. get it too early, it could wear off. But then mm-hmm. I get, if you're so many centimeters dilated, they don't let you have it or something like that. So maybe that's a myth <laughs> that we need to bust right there. Yes. It's such a, it's honestly such a loaded question. So I just want to start by saying that uh, there really is no right and wrong answer, but I do have some tips to keep in mind when it comes to getting your epidural. Love and it. then I can kind of elaborate on those certain points that you mentioned, like getting it too early or too late. The number one thing you want to keep in mind is your pain tolerance. Everybody is different. Um, You really just want to keep an open line of communication with your nurse and your doctor and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. What are my options? Can I get the epidural now? Or, you know, it really is just, like we said before, an individualized plan of care. So, that's number one, you know, know your pain tolerance and kind of go from there. Number two, I would say is keep in mind how long you want to be mobile for. Mm. So once you get an epidural, you're on bed rest. In my experience, some women have said, 
you know, I, I really could get the epidural now. I think I'm ready for it, but I do want to just be able to move a little bit longer. And if they can tolerate that, then by all means, depending on where you are in your labor, if you can afford to wait, like if you're still in the early labor stages and you can tolerate the pain and you have the time to wait for an epidural, that's great too, because you want to be able to move around. And then the last thing I tell my patients is to keep in mind that once you do decide to get an epidural and, you know, the anesthesiologist has to do the procedure, can you sit still, still, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because, um, when you get an epidural, it's, it has to be a very controlled environment, right? They're going in your back. You can't be jumping around the bed moving. So you really have to ask yourself, okay, I'm getting uncomfortable. Should I wait longer? Or should I do it now? Because I'm still going to be able to sit still. Even when you're having a contraction, (laughs) you kind of just want to assess what's going on, how you're feeling. um, Because you have to keep in mind that you really need to try your best to sit still even when you're having a contraction. So imagine like having a contraction and you can't even control your body, right? So you kind of want to, if you can avoid getting to that stage, kind of, we like to say staying ahead of your pain so that you're not chasing. So you're not chasing relief. You're staying ahead of the pain relief so that Later on, you don't have to chase it or you don't have to Mm. torture yourself by sitting still when you're having a contraction and the anesthesiologist is working on placing it. Yeah. So So just some things to keep in mind. That's good. Um, Is there then a point? The point where they Mm -hmm. say like, no, is not because you're so dilated, but it's because like, honey, there's no way that you're able to sit still. You, you know, you can still get an epidural. We will help you the best way we can for you to sit still. If you can't sit still anymore, and let's just, for example, you're at the five centimeter mark. And that's different for everybody, by the way. Um, Just because you're five centimeters doesn't mean, you know, you're in pain more than the other person. Like, I don't think pain is related to how far along you are in labor. It really is just your own pain tolerance, but that's besides the point for this question. We obviously will do the best we can to help you stay still and help you stay in a safe position. And most moms, to be honest with you, find a way to stay as still as possible. They could be screaming, they could be crying, they could be, but for some reason, and this is just like how amazing women are really, they find a way to sit still and get that aperture. <laughs> and then in terms of there is a point where it's too late. Like, listen, if you came in and you were nine, almost 10 centimeters dilated and you're just contracting away and there, there are circumstances where we'll say, listen, the baby's coming. The best way to to relieve this pain right now is to just push the baby out. And I'll be honest with you. Like that just happened to me like yesterday, but there are circumstances where mom is nine, sometimes even 10 centimeters for first time moms. And you, you, we could still get, give the epidural. So it really just goes back to the whole individualized thing. And you also kind of have to communicate with your 
with your healthcare team. It might be different in, in different hospitals or different anesthesiologists or different, you know, OBGYNs. But in my personal experience, I have given, you know, I have seen a woman get an epidural when they're nine, ten, nine or 10 centimeters. Dang. I hate to say it because especially for me, like I love firm answers, right? Like I want the answers to everything. I hate to say it really just depends, but it really just depends. But it really just depends. <laughs> now on the other end of the spectrum, like getting it too early because it's going to run out. This is just something we hear women say all the time. Like, I don't want to get it too early because it's going to run out. When in reality, it doesn't really run out. Your catheter is hooked up to, to a pump that continuously gives you medicine throughout your labor. And not only that, but it's also something that could be adjusted. When you first get an epidural, yes, you get a really big bolus of pain medication to kind of just get you relief as soon as possible, right? But what you might not realize is that's just like a small dose to keep you going. But sometimes that big bolus at the beginning does wear off. So that's when you might feel a difference like, oh, I wasn't as numb as I was before. But it doesn't mean anything is wrong. It just means that that big bolus of medication at the very beginning has kind of left your system. And now you're just getting, you know, the continuous dose of medication. And then there are some circumstances where maybe that little epidural catheter gets misplaced. Maybe you might have to get your epidural redone. Or in other cases, you know, your epidural is working fine, but at some point in your labor, you might start to feel more pain or discomfort. And another option is the anesthesiologist can give you a bolus of medication through the catheter you already have. So I think a lot of people have the assumption that it's like you get it once and then if it fails, like, or if it wears out, you're done. <laughs> like, you know, you're done for the rest of your labor. Sorry. But really, there are things we can fix. Okay. Yeah, look at us busting these myths. (laughs) Look at it. Yeah. And I also think that from hearing from your family, for your friends, oh, my epidural wore off at the end. I didn't even feel it. That goes back to what we talked about before, how you could still feel intense pressure, Mm. touch. um, But we associate that with, oh, it's not working. So that could also be another reason why, you know women feel like maybe their epidural wore off. True, 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 true. All right. Well, another question that I had for you, Paulina, Mm -hmm. would love for you to share some insight into what it's actually like for a laboring Mm -hmm. mom to work with an L&D nurse. Yes. That's a great question. Honestly, we do a lot. (laughs) You will probably see your nurse more than you see your own doctor, Mm -hmm. right? It all starts with, you know, when you get to the hospital, we settle you in your room, we take down all important information about your medical history, your, if you had any pregnancy complications, we start your IV, we give you fluids, we give you whatever medicine is necessary. We are constantly making sure you're comfortable, whether that means getting you ice chips And then when you have your epidural or when even when you don't have an epidural, we're always constantly trying to reposition you, just help you stay as mobile as possible. Obviously, if if you're able to still walk around and get on the birthing ball or what have you, we're just always just trying to constantly help you 
feel comfortable if you are on bed rest because you now have an epidural we're constantly turning you left to right, left to right, because that also helps the baby come down too. Um, we assist the anesthesiologist when it comes time to getting your epidural. Sometimes we assist your OBGYN with exams or explaining your plan of care. But then with that, we also want you to keep in mind that we might not be in the room as much as you think because we have another laboring mom. Yeah. We're just, it really just So it just depends. You could be, you know, settling in and the other patient Mm -hmm. that your nurse has could be pushing the baby out. And, you know, sometimes you're pushing for two hours. So you could not see your nurse for those two hours. Yeah. And usually in that instance where a nurse has to like leave her assignment to push with another one of her patients, then- a new nurse will just be assigned to that other okay. one who isn't pushing. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So you will have a nurse at all times, but the nurse that you might have had for most of the day might just have to leave you to go deliver with her other patient. Yeah. Are you wanting to be even more supported and informed in your pregnancy? Well, now you can be. Let me introduce you to the Learning to Mom podcast newsletter. I know, I know. You are probably thinking... another thing that's going to fill up my email that won't be relevant or actually beneficial to me. Well, let me tell you, that is not the case at all. This newsletter exists so that you can be more informed in your pregnancy so that you can have the birth that you want while not being overwhelmed. This newsletter is chocked full of relevant, helpful, and concise information that you're not going to find on my Instagram or on this podcast in the episodes. It's bonus material only available if you subscribe to the newsletter. Each week, you get a question to ask your doctor during your prenatal visits. No more blank stares as you sit there across from them and say, no, I don't have any questions. Thanks. Say hello to being prepared for your doctor's appointments. You're also going to get pregnancy tips like what foods to eat to increase your iron and pregnancy news like the one that I just shared this past week about a new research article diving into C-section probabilities for first-time moms. Sign up by going to the link in the episode show notes below. I cannot wait to inform you even more with information that you won't find on this podcast or on our Instagram. So head to the episode show notes to sign up for the newsletter. And you busted another myth or misconception that I think a lot of women have is that like, oh, my provider is going to be in the room with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. That is not the case at all. You tell the nurse I feel like I have to poop. And then they're like, oh, great. It's here. Correct. And then they say, okay, <laughs> let me get the doctor. And then the doctor comes in to catch the baby pretty much. Right. Exactly. So most of the time, it's not rare to not see your doctor until the very end. Pushing can take up to four hours for a first time mom. You could just be pushing with your nurse that whole entire time. And then you're you know, your doctor will come in at the very end to deliver the baby. I've had experience where, okay, it's, you know, it's time to push and we start pushing and my patient will ask me, well, where's my doctor? Yeah. (laughs) And most of the time it will just be you and your nurse and your support partner. And don't be surprised when your support partner has to get involved because, 99% of the time we hold one Mm -hmm. leg and they hold the other, Yeah, you know, 
And it really is just like this team effort. <laughs> Have you had to catch a baby? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because babies don't just. Babies, the babies don't wait for the doctor to come. Babies don't wait. No. <gasps> Maybe mom just has one good push mm-hmm. where you don't think it's going to be the push where you have to call the doctor. And then they just have this one great push and the baby just slides on, on out, out. And we slide. The, the, the doctor <laughs> showed up like just in time. And my husband said that she was putting on her gloves and the glove ripped Mm -hmm. as she's like catching the baby. Yeah. It was right there. The one that sticks to my mind the most was during COVID. You know, every time we went into a room, we, we had to gown up and that Mm -hmm. takes a while. So my patient was ready. So I was gowned up and she felt the urge to push. I think it was her third baby. So she felt the urge to push and sometimes you can't tell you can't tell a mama not to push like sometimes her body just takes over and the baby just comes out you know so everyone was gowning up getting dressed outside the room and I was the only one in there so you know okay I'm excited to ask you this question because this was my fear I didn't want to be like that patient I wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. just be like mm-hmm. the great patient that the nurses all loved because she didn't have any needs yeah. and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So for first time moms who are nervous and they don't want to be that patient, mm-hmm. you know, who's too annoying or too over the top, what advice would you have right. for a mom who is worried about that? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, Honestly, I always just say, just communicate with your nurse. We all have that. And by we, I mean, labor and delivery nurses and anyone on your team, on your healthcare team, really. We understand that if this is your first time, you probably don't know everything. And that's okay. That's nothing on you. But we understand that you're going to come in with a lot of questions. You're going to be scared. You're going to be anxious. So just talk to us. I always like not that I like one type of patient more than the other, but I do think it is more helpful when patients are asking questions. Just ask. I mean, (laughs) that's, I guess that's what we're here for, right? We're here to help you. We're here to educate you. At least for me, I don't ever take it personally. I always like to say, I don't take anything personally when you're in pain. You know, I like to say little things like that just to... To reassure my patients. I mean, think about when you're like when you're in pain, when you're sick, when you're irritated. We never take anything personally. What I'm hearing you say is just don't worry about being that patient. Even if exactly. you need to be that patient, it's your time to be that patient because you are the laboring mother. Correct. I wish yes. that I would have had more of that. Not that I have a bad perspective, but I think my people pleasing mm-hmm. self just came out in that moment. Oh, I don't, you know, I want to be a good patient. Right. And I think, right. you know, as a first time mom, you just don't know what to expect and you don't know their side of things. You have a very limited scope, mm-hmm. but stepping back, Correct. seeing the experience that I now have and the experience of speaking with all of these birth professionals through this podcast, mm-hmm. I have such a larger yeah. scope. So if you're listening to this, do not worry about being that patient. In fact, <laughs> be that patient. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just 
be yourself, <laughs> be whoever you want to be. We won't take it personally at all. We understand that you're uncomfortable. You're in pain. You have no idea what's yeah. going on. Now being in labor and delivery nurse, what mm-hmm. things do you recommend patients to bring in their hospital bag to have on hand for labor specifically? Before I even get into what to bring, I don't want to forget to say this tip. Don't bring everything from your car to labor and delivery. Try to just keep all the baby things in your car. That way you're not hauling a whole bunch of bags that you don't need to be hauling, that you don't need to be bringing in just yet. So what I would just bring from the car when it comes to labor and delivery is just your things and your partner's things. Try to keep baby things separate and in the car because sometimes I'll see like the baby bag, the car seat, the, and it's just, you know, there's already so much going on that you just don't want to exert energy where you don't need to. That is a great. Yeah. Bring just your things, your partner's things. And then once the baby is born and once you get moved over to your postpartum room, go back to the car and get all the babies. Yeah. That way you're just not fumbling with everything. That is a great tip. <laughs> when you don't need to be, yeah. right? And then in terms of what um, a few things that you should bring to labor and delivery. Number one, bring slippers for you and your partner. Because please do not be walking around the hospital and the hospital rooms with bare feet. <laughs> that's just, that's just not necessary. And <laughs> and you will then be that patient. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, <laughs> it sounds so, it sounds so funny. But you're like, so trust simple, me, but I've seen everything that has happened on those floors. <laughs> please do not walk around the hospital with bare feet, bring slippers for you and bring slippers for your labor partner. Okay. That's number one. <laughs> Another thing that I see a lot of patients bringing in that are really helpful is stroller fans it's like a little fan and usually it has like legs that you can kind of wrap around maybe the side of the bed or patients find that really helpful so a stroller fan if you can another thing that I would recommend is maybe just like face wipes maybe a moisturizer mouthwash and like chapstick I mean you're not going to be able to do your full like 10 step skincare routine while you're in labor (laughs) at least because you know you know what they how they say right when you feel good you kind of just feel more positive labor could be hours and hours and days so if you just had a moment to like wipe your face a little bit put some moisturizer on do a little mouthwash I just feel like overall it's just good vibes you know yes Well, those were great call outs. Dang, this was so great. Loved all the myths that you busted for us. Now, where and how can people find you, Paulina? Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, My handle is the nurse Paulina. That's really where I uh, spend most of my time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a blast. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Learning to Mom podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter found in the episode show notes below. Now's your time to do it before you forget. I'll see you back here next week.